Hi, welcome to Journey with Jess. I'm your host, Jessica Monge. Today, we're going to be talking to Crystal Escapi. We're going to be focusing on tarot, shadow work, writing, her books and forms of healing, besides just therapy. A little bit about Crystal. I actually met Crystal through my sorority. She is my big, my big sister in the sorority and I'm so happy I got matched with her. She helped me a lot through my mental health and she showed me how to let people in. Crystal Scabby is a writer who blends the art of magic and spellcasting into her words. She is a lawyer by day and the owner of the metaphysical shop Ultra Magica. By night, where one could find tarot readings, ritual candles, spell kits, and crystals for an intentional spiritual practice. Crystal is also the host of Coming Out of the Room Closet, a live series where she interviews creators and magic makers who redefine healing in our leaders in their own craft. She hosts writing workshops and facilitates the writing group Spellwork Poetry Circle. Her and her poetry have been featured on Vice News. She is the author of the book This is a Spell, This is a Spell, available for pre-order at her site ultramagica.com. Please check it out. I promise you it is a really good read. We do have some excerpts in the podcast, so I hope you enjoy. So I might be referring to Crystal as us. As you guys know, she is my big from a sorority. So it is Crystal's copy. <laughs> um, but to me, she's us. I remember when you got your first tarot deck. I was crossing the sorority. Spring 15, you went to um, New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Tell me why you decided to get it at that time yeah. and what you were trying to heal. Yeah, so when I went to New Orleans, I first of all went for a spring break with friends. I think that was like the most uh, relevant reason <laughs> for going to New Orleans, yeah. but um, I did have my eyes set on New Orleans for quite some time because the city itself always has come across as magical mm -hmm. on TV and on film, and just reading a lot about the history just really drawn me to it. Okay. Um, and so when I went in New Orleans, I wanted a souvenir for myself to take back home. Nice. And I didn't want like a keychain. I didn't want like a t-shirt. I wanted something that represented the magic of the Crescent City. Mm -hmm. So there's a, it's like plenty of witch shops out there, voodoo shops out there. And I just like walked into one. And I'm like, wait a second, they had tarot decks on display. And I'm like, this could be something that I could take back home with me. I knew of tarot. I've never dabbled with it before, but I knew of it. Members of my family have used tarot in the past to read each other's fortunes. Mm. Um, they would use it, I would say, like for psychic play. So I knew of it. And there has always been like a mystery associated with it. So when I saw the tarot deck in like one store, I was like, oh, this is definitely it. This is something that I could bring back that encapsulate some sort of magic yeah, that yeah. I felt while I was in New Orleans. Um, and that was in 2015. I brought the tarot deck back to New York mm -hmm. and I played with it. I worked with it for like maybe like a year or so. And I kind of just like let it off to the side mm -hmm. until... I was going through a difficult moment in law school, um, trying to navigate whether this is something I want to do in law school, whether this is the career path I want to take in law school. Yeah. I've also had family stresses on my mind. I had relationship problems on my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what prompted me to pick up the tarot deck okay. again. And I started using it at that moment in a different way than I had originally land when I bought it in New Orleans oh wow so New Orleans I bought it with like the intention of like this is like a cool magical maybe party trick kind of uh, uh souvenir gift it wasn't like super serious it wasn't super serious uh, okay. at all oh wow but then I would say like a year afterwards I started to randomly pick cards a day um when I was kind of feeling vulnerable and like just needing an outlet mm -hmm. and then that's when it became something serious and how did you um start learning because I know like there's so much information when learning tarot how did you yeah. start well I would say this I am a big nerd I love to research and I love to read so mm -hmm. I just went to the library I took out books on tarot oh, wow. um I googled like google's <laughs> yeah. your friend but to be honest that was just my insecurities trying to get as much information on something that I've already knew oh. and what do I mean by that so when you look at tarot I would say that tarot reflects our human experience mm. in 78 cards. 
you do not have to feel pressured to have all the answers when looking at one card. Mm -hmm. But when you do look at a card, it invokes something in you that you already know. So I always tell folks that working with tarot on your own without doing any research is equally as beneficial because it invokes these archaic, um, archetypal patterns and emotions Mm -hmm. that is just inherent in all of us because it reflects the human experience. And who knows better than being a human than us? Oh, nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of like you need to use your intuition and trust it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Me doing research and getting books on tarot was just a way to validate that I knew what I was doing and mm-hmm. what I was looking at at the cards, but in reality, I didn't really need it. Oh, wow. I don't think any of us needs it, but it's really? a really good place oh, to start. Wow. So when you were looking for answers in tarot while in law school, did you feel like you found them? This is an answer that not everyone's going to like. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like tarot provides more questions than answers Mm, okay it's like a rabbit hole but in the best way yeah how so Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i mean you could pick a card let's say you're looking for clarity and in some respect in your life you could pick a card and you could definitely feel a sense of relief depending what the card is and what the message comes across but sometimes you get some of those tricky cards that makes you take a step back and you're like, huh? Mm. And it makes you question the bigger issues at play or like what's hidden beneath the surface. And then you actually have to do more of an inner deep work with yourself to understand. And I think that is where I get gratification from. And I feel lots of folks do go to tarot readers expecting to get validation from like the few cards that they pick. Gotcha. Um, However, with myself and with my clients, it's more than just flipping over the cards and talking about it. It's more about using the cards as an initial framework Mm -hmm. to uncover the deeper issues that are lying Mm -hmm. underneath the surface. So tarot isn't like a one-stop shop for everything. No, it's not therapy but I find that it is very therapeutic and Mm -hmm. just like therapy like going to one session is not going to cure your life Mm -hmm. so I don't think pulling one card and that's it's going to cure your life it's a relationship you have to continue to cultivate nice so what would be further or deeper steps for that definitely working with it daily I love to write I love to journal and track the cards that I work with so if you want to like work with tarot on your own just Mm -hmm. focus on establishing a relationship with it um, by picking those cards daily or if you do not want to do that just yet and you want to go to a tarot reader definitely first of all do your research there's lots of people out there pretending to be (laughs) informed and okay good people yeah but they're not have multiple tarot sessions with people Mm -hmm. um, about different aspects in your life One thing I will caution is that sometimes folks would have a session with a reader and they'll get an answer that they don't like. So they end up shopping around till they find another reader that provides them the answer Mm. that they like. Okay. Um, So it's not so much searching for what you want to hear, but being open to what is meant for you. For people who love what you're saying, what are the red flags of bad tarot readers and what are like, if there is a range, price range for tarot readers, just mm-hmm. so they know where to start. Yeah. I want to caution saying like, watch out for bad tarot readers rather than watch out for readers who have ill intentions. Um, mm. What do you mean by that? I feel that this community, the tarot community, has a lot of um, valuable information if you're looking for it. And it does offer immense healing for those that are looking for healing. However, it unfortunately has been a market for exploitation. Right. When folks are vulnerable, Mm -hmm. um, when they are at a place in their lives, when they're looking for answers, they might come off desperate. Not saying that you are desperate, but to someone seeking to take advantage of that opportunity, they will take advantage of that and they think that you're desperate Mm -hmm. and when they do that they will slide into your dms as what's currently happened on instagram you have these scam accounts you have folks pretending to be tarot readers that are going to help you during a moment of crisis but in reality they're using it as a money grab Mm -hmm. so i will say if you're looking to have a tarot session 
with a reputable reader that you do your research as you do everything else. Do not accept invitations when someone who you don't know randomly sends you a message saying that they have a message to deliver to you from the universe or uh, spirit okay. yeah. or your ancestors, we will not slide into your DMs. We're too busy to do that. You uh, come okay. to us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so good readers won't go into your DMs. They're not going to look for you guys. They're not. You're like, I'm so special. They came to me. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. Don't. As red flag number one. If someone is sending you a message that you don't know and there's urgency in it, like, please write back to me within X amount of time because there is this message I have to deliver to you mm. that was brought to me by your ancestors, for example. Most tarot readers, this is a business for them, so they have exposure online or if they have already have clients, maybe there's reviews out there. So mm. go to their websites, stock their Instagram profiles, stock their TikToks, anywhere where they're very visible. Depending on the reader, maybe you could easily just reach out to them and ask them, you know, what is your policy? Like, how are your readings like? But overall, I just want everyone to avail themselves of the information that's currently out there. In terms of price ranges, I think that varies. It's And it's, it's not an answer that I could pinpoint. Okay. I would say that tarot readers tend to price their readings based on experience and how long mm -hmm. they have been doing it. So you could easily find um, readings for like as little as $5 and most like maybe 300 It really just depends on the reader. But with that said, the reading that's $5 does not necessarily mean that it's a bad reading. It could okay. very well be a very opening, the best reading ever, right? Mm -hmm. Go with your heart, go with your intuition as to you know who you feel is right for you. But again, just make sure that you're doing your research there. So moving into more of your healing process and stuff, I know you said you had your things with law school, but what made you want to dive deeper to heal your inner child? And what did you do for that? Writing. Mm -hmm. I have always had my nose in a journal since I was a little girl. I found writing for me to be my outlet, um, a way for me to really express my emotions, even if I did not understand them. Mm. I find that I'm in a space constantly where I'm talking to people today. I'm talking to folks. I'm having readings with people. I'm talking verbally. But sometimes talking out loud is not necessarily the best way for me to mm. navigate the complexities of my own emotions. So I turn to writing as okay. that method to heal me. I feel like I've always been a very emotional person that feels things deeply. Mm -hmm. For better or for worse... Writing was a way for me to unpack those heavy emotions. When I was younger, I've had this desire, if you will, to be seen. I think all of us, right? We want to be seen. We want to be heard as children to make sure that we're given everything that we need to fully thrive and to feel loved and safe in an environment. And I think that is just inherent in all of us uh, to feel safe and loved. When I was younger, I was definitely a huge lover. And I sought to love as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And I did not necessarily have as much love in the home, mm -hmm. which is why it led me to search outside for that. And that meant that I jumped in relationships that were not necessarily the best. Yeah. I jumped into relationships um, where I was not emotionally mature enough mm. to handle them. I made a mess of them. I've also been a victim of those messes. And so I turned to writing as a way to heal that. I've gone through many heartbreaks. And I would say as a child, I was very suicidal when I went through those heartbreaks because I felt so much pain in my heart. Mm -hmm. And it was just really difficult to deal with that. And um, I would say if I did not write in my journals as a teenager, that I'm not sure whether I would be here today. Mm -hmm. I give lots of props to myself for doing that. Yeah, um, I mean, you're so young to like intuitively be like, I need to write. That this is the best outlet yeah. for me, you know? Because some people wouldn't know what to do. But even then, too, like, I want to be clear. Like, at the time when I was doing it, I did not 
think like, oh, this is going to save me. Right. Like, this but it is, helped you. I would say looking, I know this looking back now. Yeah, yeah. And like after writing like my book and whatnot, this is what I know now. Like, oh, me writing was what saved me. At the time, I did not know what the F I was doing. It was just like an intuitive process. Like mm-hmm. if I felt really sad or depressed one day, I opened up my journal and I wrote about it. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like I was seeking. No, like you didn't know what you were doing, but yeah. it was just kind of like this. Did it help a little bit at the moment? Is that yeah, what it was? it definitely helped. And it also contained me too. The reason I say that is because I felt like I was going to explode with so many emotions oh. that if I did not have the means to bring it all down into something tangible, such mm-hmm. as like a notebook, mm-hmm. then I don't know what I would have done with myself. I would have probably lashed out. I would have got really emotional and cried all the time. I would have been uncomfortable to deal with as a teenage person or a child with my parents right Mm -hmm. taking thoughts that are not tangible taking these feelings that are not tangible and putting them into a notebook that is tangible just made me contain all that I did not have control over otherwise Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because as at least for me the other side of the spectrum or like I was very quiet and shy Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to get love and attention and praise. And if I was quiet and shy, my mom would praise me for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's how I got my love and attention. Just being the good girl. Like, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. It's, I think there's a saying, but it's like, kids should be seen and they shouldn't be heard. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that I have experience with in the Latina community. Yeah. I was the opposite. I'm a very introverted person in the sense that I like to be on my lonesome and reading a book and writing. However, if I'm not doing that, there's still this part of me that's like, you need to be louder. Mm. You need to yell. You need to make yourself known. Uh. So this, it's this polarity that I'm constantly dealing with. I feel like you know a different part of me. Yes. Because yes, I when I was younger... <laughs> I was definitely nice. I'm a, I'm, I'm the same person, <laughs> but I feel like I was definitely more blunt, just loud. And I'm not saying loud is a, in a bad way. I think we should definitely be loud if that's something that mm-hmm. actually comes to you. But it wasn't always perceived mm-hmm. in a good way when I was a kid. Yeah, I get that. I feel like that is probably overall for women in the Latina community. Yeah. Yeah. Women <laughs> shouldn't be loud and stuff. Um so yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, it, we got really deep here. But Stephanie and I went through similar situations and similar stories to you, were, but she was opposite. She was didn't date as much. I jumped from relationship to relationship yep. as much as I could too. So I totally get that. And like for me, I felt like by me hopping into relationships, it was a way for me to build a family that I wanted. Oh, okay. It wasn't that I was so much a serial dater. I actually really wanted one person. Like, I wanted... I'm, I'm as monogamous as I could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think looking back, the reasons why I was so anxious and so just willing to put my whole life into another person and yeah. expect them to be my everything was because at the time, I was looking to create a family. And yeah. I'm not saying that, like, as a kid, you're like, Oh my god, you're gonna have a baby with someone you no, just met. Yeah. You no, yeah. No, I meant love. I, I was trying to build foundations. Yeah. I was trying to make something stable that would grow that so that in the future, like I could say this is mine, this is something that I've built. I wanna cultivate the love in a space yeah. that I did not have before. Yeah. And you had long relationships, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no same. <laughs> I was like thirteen in a three year relationship. Yeah. But they were like, What? <laughs> Like, you're not going for three months? Like, yeah, I know. It's so funny because I was similar here, too. So, I know you and I have personally talked about shadow work in the past and stuff, but how has that helped your healing? We already talked about the inner child, and I kind of find that shadow and the inner child are very linked. Um, The shadow is essentially an archetype. Um, when we are children and we are going through experiencing life and we're trying to figure out how we want to conform and fit into society, we unconsciously start creating our shadow self. The shadow self consists of this version of you that is repressed, the version of you that basically you had to start hiding, tucking away because it does not fit into society. 
what is the perfect daughter, for example, or the perfect student. Mm-hmm. Um, as you are, like I said, trying to confirm yourself in society, when you're being told no, or like this part of you does not fit in, then just now imagine that Jessica, that crystal, mm-hmm. starts to be starting to be created on the side. The reason it's called a shadow is because, like I said, it's being made up of these versions of, of you mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be the version that everyone wants to see or hear. Mm-hmm. And typically, the shadow is portrayed in media or in books as a scary version of yourself. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense, yeah. Like, um, people are afraid of their shadows and stuff. Of a dark, ver- like, a darker version of yourself. Yeah. And that's why it, it's called the shadow. But I believe it's really important that we start looking at those versions of ourselves, that shadow side of ourselves, mm-hmm. because we get to learn more about who we are. Um, I feel that the shadow self is made up of lots of unresolved trauma, okay. lots of feelings that we have yet to like navigate through and if we do not work with our shadow they unconsciously make themselves known every day Mm -hmm. they come across in your like your triggers how you lash out to Mm -hmm. people like in your relationships maybe you have certain tics that you're like you know, this is something that I do, but yeah, and you don't like, notice it. it. Yeah. But other people will notice it and they're like, what's wrong with this girl? Like, why is she always... Whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a story behind that. And the only way you'll find out is if you, like, sit down with yourself and start unpacking that. The way it works for me when I want to have a conversation with my own shadow mm-hmm. is, again, going back to writing. There are so many ways that you could do it. The first and foremost would be to like seek a licensed therapist, especially someone who has the knowledge of Jungian psychology and Jungian psychology um, is a a realm of framework that Shadow came out of from Carl Jung. He's a psychologist. If for whatever reason, you know, you don't want to go to a therapist, I don't think you need to go to a therapist to access your shadow, but Mm -hmm. because they're trained in doing that, it, it, it might be good. But if you're looking to do it on your own, just be very gentle because it could be a very uncomfortable process mm-hmm. given that as you're unpacking like these heavy trauma that you have been carrying with you, like mm-hmm. that could be a lot. That's why it's also good to see a therapist, yeah. someone to help you navigate through that when you're feeling like so out of your body yeah Um, would you advise someone to do this by themselves or at least go with it if they don't want to go through therapy is there someone else they could work with the shadow with yeah i mean i think everyone should do it at all times every single day it's not like a one session type of thing it's like a forever thing yeah but if you don't want to go to a therapist or if you can't afford one, like definitely start doing it on your own. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said writing for me was like the easiest, most affordable thing right. to do. Um, and the way it worked for me is just like I wrote down everything that I hated, every version of myself that came across rude or scary to other people. Like just unpacking like what's my scary shadow side? Right. What does that look like? Like yeah. I wrote that down. And then I had to go a step deeper and ask myself why mm-hmm. where does this come from what's mm-hmm. the story behind that and then that's another whole rabbit hole like I said it could be very uncomfortable because it, it might just bring up lots of feelings so you were kind of talking to your, like your inner child and inner teen when you were working through that right through my book yeah mm-hmm. through writing I was able to explore why as a child I felt not seen mm-hmm why as a child my needs weren't met I was able to explore that the reason why I am so quick to jump into someone's arms and to like chokehold them with my love was because I did not feel like I was picked up enough as a kid I felt like as a child um, I was definitely given everything and provided for However, there was always this expectation to be a good girl. Mm -hmm. There's this expectation to be quiet, like how you were talking about earlier, to be a girl too. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean like the gender girl because I was always a tomboy Mm -hmm. growing up. So I never felt like I was accepted for who I just was. Yeah, I get that. So I was just looking and quickly becoming attached to people. Mm. 
and hoping that they would accept me mm-hmm. and like me for who I was because I didn't feel like I liked myself mm-hmm. or because I was not getting that at home, for example. Unpacking my shadow and, yeah, it was definitely an invitation for me to look at my inner child in that way. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, I'm like, okay, I'm able to now accept you as a woman in her 30s. Mm-hmm. Like, I would be your mother. Like, I would be the person that you have been looking for acceptance all along. Yeah. But now. Yeah. It's myself. How do you get into the headspace to be able to talk to your inner child or your inner teen? I get asked a lot, how can you, how do you talk to them? Because I can't talk to my inner child. I can't talk to my inner teen. What advice would you give for that? I feel like it's not that deep. (laughs) I know. That's the answer. I feel like it's not that deep. Like, we're throwing these terms around. Like, I said shadow, shadow work, inner child. Like, it's not that deep. Just find your outlet. For me, it was writing. Mm -hmm. I definitely think a creative outlet is the best way to go um, because once you start engaging in creativity or in play, that's when your inner child becomes evoked. Mm -hmm. However, it's not that deep, girl. I feel like people have a block, you know? A block? Yeah, Yeah, like a mental block. Yeah, for sure. And it's understandable, especially Mm -hmm. like if you have gone through severe trauma. Like who wants to uncover that? Mm. Who wants to revisit that? Right. Give yourself permission to be open and to be gentle with yourself it's not like a perfect process right and you have to be okay with that so it's not that deep guys it's not that deep (laughs) (laughs) no i i I think i've i've the times that i've been asked i'm like i don't know it's easy for me and i think it's because i could either picture little jess or i could picture someone a cousin or a family member who is that age now and me talking to them in that Yeah, place. you could definitely take yeah. it in that approach. Like, what would you say to yourself? Which or, is what it is. Like, when yeah. you're working with inner child, yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I think it's because I meditated. I think that helps. <laughs> but yeah. honestly, I don't really know. And That's I don't definitely know fine. Yeah. Like, the, a, a time and space where you could dedicate for exactly. this too. You need to have, like, the time and, like, quiet. Mm-hmm. Quiet. And I, I know it's hard for a lot of parents to do because I have a lot of mom friends and they're like, I don't, I can't, I don't have the time. So that I know that sucks. I definitely think it's important though because mm-hmm. if we do not like do this type of inner work, then we're capable of replicating these harmful patterns to our children. A hundred percent. I will one day have kids. And like, I think about this all the time that if I did not do the work that I'm doing now, then like, who knows what kind of trauma I might have unconsciously, like, unconsciously, yeah. give to them. Yeah. And then they're going to hate me for it when they get older. <laughs> they're going to have to process it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely important to process all of that if you want to become a parent. There really is no right or wrong answer. Like, if you're expecting to just do any type of healing work, expecting it to look a certain way, mm-hmm. like, just throw that out already. Mm-hmm. There's no framework. There's no map. Ask, because healing is personal to you. Mm-hmm. It looks different yeah, to everyone else, which is why I want to emphasize like, the process is going to get messy and complicated, and you might feel better, or, like, some days you'll feel worse. Yeah. But you need to be okay with that. Yeah. Um, and just continue showing up. Would you say even dedicating 10 to 15 minutes a day is – Better than nothing. Yeah, 100%. And the excerpt that you sent me, this is a spell, this is a spell part two, with the girl in the mirror, is that the shadow that you're talking about? That is a shadow, yeah. What inspired me to write, this is a spell, this is a spell, and that's the title of the book, but for that piece in particular, was because when I was younger and I was going through heartbreak and I had all of of these like emotions that I didn't know what to deal with or how to like make sense of it felt like I was a different version of myself I said I write a lot so what made me put this book together was the process of rereading what I wrote as a kid oh, wow. and then I ended up processing that and mm-hmm. adding new pieces now being older as I was reading these pieces that I wrote as a teenager I was like flipping through the books and I'm like this is definitely me this is definitely me but I don't sound the same in 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 these pages oh wow I felt like a different version of myself was coming through Mm. and I feel like when we're 
going through trauma, there's like this inherent transformation process that's happening mm -hmm. that you just become a different version of yourself. I mean, it's definitely still me, it's still Crystal, but because I was so sad and because I was so depressed, like that was a different version of myself. Mm -hmm. So this is a spell, this is a spell part two, is a reflection of me looking into the mirror as I still do and just uh, having this fear of the person staring back at me, whether that person is me or this insidious version of myself. Mm. And what happens when I'm standing too long in the mirror? And what happens is that we switch places. So the version of myself that I approach the mirror with, your sweet, you know, sensitive, heartfelt crystal, switch places with this crystal in the mirror who is more hurt, more reserved. And that's the version that everyone meets during the time of my sadness. Okay. It's very much like the movie Us. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a whole metaphorical way to say that when we're just going through some deep shit mm -hmm. that we're just now exhibiting a different part of ourselves to the world. No, I think it was really awesome how you wrote it. I visualized everything and it took me on like a whole little mini film, you mm -hmm. know? So oh. I, I that was awesome. Why did you decide on that title for your book? The book is actually not going to be titled that. I had this oh. other title, but I'm not going to mention because I might reserve it for a different book project in the future. Okay, okay. But I had this other title that I was so madly in love with that okay. I held on to it for as long as I could. And then as I'm like compiling these pieces together I'm like that title does not fit with what is going on mm. it is too hopeful it is too like oh. it, it, it's masking I felt oh, okay. everything that I was trying to portray in my book I've had already written at this point when I was evaluating reevaluating my title this is a spell this is a spell part one and part two I have already re written it and I was just like looking through the pieces and I'm like you know this, this one really resonates to me as to the core theme of this project. The moment in which I am writing, like, this is a spill. I am spilling to you everything I have in me. Mm -hmm. I am spilling to you all of my emotions, my memories, everything that I've gone through. But the process of doing that is also a spell because as I am spilling it all, I am also transforming myself i'm casting a spell that as i am releasing this out into the world it's like an exorcism i'm releasing all that does not serve me anymore mm -hmm. however it's also a spell in which going back to the mirror piece that as i am releasing these parts of myself that i am changing to the point where i'm unrecognizable mm. So there's a lot that goes into it, but overall the theme is like writing as yeah. a means to... I think it's a, it was super yeah. cute when I saw it. I was like, oh, that's so cute. I love... Do you want to show um, yeah. the book? I think sure. I love the cover for the title. Thank you. I was like, whoa, that's so, so trippy. <laughs> for all the listeners um, who cannot see what I'm holding... You'll see this on YouTube, so do go on YouTube if you want to see the book title. Yeah, so what I have in my hand, this is actually not the final hard copy version. This is my DIY proof copy that I printed myself just to continue doing some edits. But this is the book. This is a spell. This is a spell. I was really inspired when making the cover that I wanted you to kind of be in the mirror world with me, which is why you see a certain version and title when you're holding it upright versus when you hold it upside down, you also see a different version that. and a different title. I love that. I'm in love with the cover so much. If you want to see the cover, go Thank on YouTube because you. this is so freaking cute. Or buy the book. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> Why uh, did you decide on going by C.M. Escabi? That's also like a, a whole conversation. Oh, yeah. I actually wanted to use a pen name and I didn't even come up with a good one to even mention what my pen names could have been. Um, but I wanted to like use a pen name because I wanted to hide myself as a writer mm -hmm. because I play so many 
roles. Right. So um, if you don't know, I am also a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. I have like a professional day life. Yes. If you will. But on the side, like I'm also doing tarot. I have like this mystical practice that no one really knows about mm-hmm. and that might come off as unprofessional. Right. So I wanted to separate these parts of myself and I thought a good way to do that was by having a different author name but then I'm like yo Crystal you're literally just backtracking everything that we talk about which is living your true authentic self Mm -hmm. and my true authentic self is Crystal Escabi like that's who I am I love my last name for example I love my name and I want that to be out in the open I want people to know me as someone who writes books Mm -hmm. and who talks about tarot all the time but I also want to be known too about the lawyer that you would go to to help copyright your project and I'm the same person no longer wanted to separate that okay so that's what made me definitely include my name in the in the book nice but the reason I shortened it and went by CMS Scobby, I just felt like that sounded nice. That is cute. Do you actually have excerpts of your past journals there, like unedited or edited? Um, yes. These are, I would say, maybe like the first half of the book is pretty much journal entries that I wrote as a kid. But definitely edit it because if I didn't, then it would make no sense. <laughs> I've learned what commas are. I've learned... <laughs> how to put sentences together um so I definitely have edited them however there are also pieces too that I've written when I was younger but that I've looked at today and then I wrote in it so oh what do you mean so you've added to it yeah so actually let me let me read this so I have an introduction this book is a compilation of 63 journal entries across six chapters Written as a teenager, with interjections and new musings as an older, though still young adult. It is hard to say for sure which versions of myself came through which piece. And thus you will find that the subject throughout the book changes quite frequently. So with that said, some pieces are definitely 100% myself when I was a teenager. Some pieces are 100% myself today, almost 30. And then some pieces are a combination of both. I actually wanted to backtrack just like a little bit. You mentioned something about masking, right? You talk about like your old title and how like it would have masked like the true emotions here um, going on in your book. I personally didn't really know much of like all these deep things about you and I'm kind of close to you, pretty close to you, right? I would say you masked all that trauma in your past as this bright, bubbly, fun girl. Why would you say you masked for so long or in general? I would say that it wasn't an intentional thing. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't intentionally masking what I've gone through. I just feel like I'm just naturally a light, bubbly person. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason was because I use my notebooks and journals as an outlet. That's why I said it it was a means to contain all of that. Like it held all the sadness so that I could show up in the world and be happy. Yeah. Um, However, it's not your like, not your true self. It was still your true self. Yeah, it was definitely my true self. It's kind of like when, when people say like going to therapy or even like working out in the morning just makes you feel better. For myself personally, like if I don't work out in the morning, I feel groggier and you will experience a different person of me if I didn't work out that day gotcha. or if I did work out that day. You yeah. get what I'm saying? Um, or if you, if you had coffee, coffee or if you yeah. didn't have coffee. My morning coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it was for me. So it wasn't so much that I, when I was meeting people, it wasn't so much that I was hiding or like mm. that I was intentionally hiding these parts of myself. Like I'm okay. very much an open book. Yeah. Like if we're going to talk about something sad, like we're going to talk about it. I'm okay with it. Mm. Writing and putting all of that in a notebook that's mm. like okay I did my meditation for the day nice. yeah. I'm leaving it in the closet not because I'm hiding you but because I don't need to take you with me today I'm cool that's until awesome. next time of course when yeah. when you meet again <laughs> when we meet again <laughs> no I think that's amazing because then you're not denying that part that needs to be resolved I let people just suppress it and then move on with their day and then mask right they're masking happiness and then one day it's just too much and they explode Yeah, of course. As a kid, though, there were certain days that I was just really, really sad. That it was really hard to even let go of that sadness in the means of writing. That I just carried it with me throughout the day. Mm. I was just 
sad right <laughs> in person there was always that thought that went through my mind like I would interact with people um but they didn't know what I was going through and I thought that was okay too because that was not their burden to hold right like that was something that was for myself mm-hmm. but I had to make sure that I showed up enough for them that they did not feel uncomfortable yeah with what I could have potentially unleashed onto them yeah no, I get that. You know what that reminds me of, though? Like, this whole conversation. Um, one, one of the first times we had met, you seemed like this happy-go-lucky girl. And then, I mean, it's like, no, I'm actually really sad. <laughs> You're like, what? You don't look like you have problems. I'm like, no, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, then I, I just thought about that one, one time you had said that. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. There's also, like, this level of kindness and consideration that I carry with me. Um because who knows, like, someone could literally be having a bad day, mm-hmm. and the things that they project onto you, they're just projections, and it may not be, like, a healthy way for them to lash out on you if they do, or mm-hmm. be mean to you if they are, um, but they're going through their own problems. Yeah, no, it's true. I think that's really important, and it's something my therapist tells me all the time, like, however they react to you is not a reflection on you. It's yeah. a reflection on their day and what they're going through. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with you. It's not personal most of the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. <laughs> Before we move on to the next question, it's going to be from your excerpt, Generational Curses. Do you want to read a little snippet of that before asking the question? Yeah, sure. The I have part. to get from my phone because I actually edit it, so it's a different version now than what it is in this copy. Generational Curses. There are hard truths I had to learn to take, like swallowing a pill dry. They would make their way down my throat despite my yearnings for water. No matter how uncomfortable they made me, I had no choice but to take them in hopes that those truths would be absorbed and maybe forgotten. However, even when they made it past my esophagus, they laid in the pit of my stomach and festered like a corrosive battery. Even when one would think they were long gone, those truths still lurked in the shadows, causing energy leaks and unsuspecting irritation in every interaction. Hard truths would linger and gnaw behind the surface waiting to be acknowledged. They would find a way to sneak into every argument, intermingle with the marrows of the spine, and tap dance at the tip of the tongue between every sentence. If I were to get caught up in my own response, I may have missed them, for they were subtle, sure, but also loud and deafening all the same. Hard truths became me during my upbringing. Although I have always felt their unease, I did not recognize them until today, finally sitting them down and inviting them in for tea. I now identify them, writing on my mother's lips, when she said she's putting up with this for me, sacrificing intimacy and love in exchange for security. I see them now, in Mama's face when she stayed quiet after Papa blamed her for raising unruly children, and she then spent hours in the kitchen whipping out plates of food to get back in his good graces. I felt them when La Doña laid her hands upon mine. Her skin was wrinkled with age and sunspots. She tightened her grip and pleaded, Please become someone, she said. It is important that you can always rely on yourself. I heard them in the cries of my stepmother when she reached towards the scissors and destroyed my father's birthday gift, thinking that the lavish shirts must have come from his mistresses before his daughter. I felt them stuck in my throat when the teenage boy I looked up to sat me on his lap at the age of five and reached into my pants, and even now, whenever men undress me with their eyes from afar. I can still feel them whenever a man lifts my arms above my head. My aunt's petrified face flashes before me when her violent boyfriend forcefully pinned her to the bed and his hands was at her throat commanding utter submission. In an act of survival, I was taught to not question and bring out the pain of my mother and the woman who came before her, but instead to assume the position and stay quiet so that no one would notice how uncomfortable I truly was. I was destined to work for pats on the head and praise for being a good girl, to not react suddenly 
or else the fire within me would burn. It is easy to not peel behind the curtain and look deeply into what one saw and pretend that none of it happened. But perhaps playing make-believe was what saved the woman in my family. Perhaps swallowing these hard truths was an act of self-preservation and healing all along. This is why I write. It is why writing about what I know leads me down an unprecedented labyrinth and becomes an arduous task to get through. It is why, when words have failed my matriarchal lineage, that I celebrate having finally found our voice, even if it for now, even if for now that voice exists through the typing of a keyboard. Now I wield these fingertips as weapons and type light into the darkness. No more passing along hard truths like curses, because cures seemed impossible. I write to break them today. I form incantations to alchemize cries, sarcasm, criticism, and silence into songs of redemption and freedom. In these words, I seek refuge and grant permission to fight, to love, and to rest. In these words, the faces of my mother, my grandmothers, my aunts, and my sisters, and all women who came before me are reflected. These words are not mine, but ours. You no longer need to scream into the abyss for curses were never meant to stay intact. They were meant to break so that blessings could bloom in their cracks. So be it, and so it is. You're very vulnerable in that one excerpt alone. I'm assuming the whole book is very vulnerable. How did you feel about being so vulnerable and putting it out in the world? Did you have a moment where you're like, I don't want to put this out? That's actually quite interesting because I did not for myself. I felt that I was airing my family's dirty laundry Mm -hmm. and I was actually really uncomfortable with writing some of the things that that they have gone through Mm -hmm. rather than my own right so I I've always felt that like I was one day going to write a book and that people were going to get to know me in a way that they didn't and I was very open to being vulnerable and raw in that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind putting myself on that pedestal and shining the light into my deep insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I was definitely more conscious of how it may depict the woman in my family. Right. I was more conscious on how, if they were to read that part, like what they, how they would feel. I think like that is a natural response. However, the, the whole point of this piece was so that it could be aired Mm -hmm. so it could be released Mm -hmm. right so generational curses is a play of um generational trauma it's like the things that we carry and that we pass on to our children and the children's pass them on to their children for me that piece was an opportunity to say stop like i'm no longer going to replicate these patterns I no longer want my voice to be hushed. Mm -hmm. Um, And by doing that, I am providing a means for the women in my family to have their voice heard as well. Do you think they'll ever read the book? And if they do, they would be upset with you? I don't think they would read the book. Not because they don't want to, but because Latin parents or grandmothers they don't read English right right yeah that's what I figured I was like um but that's not to say that like I was hiding it from them or whatever I felt like I could have definitely unpacked more Mm. in this piece um but however it wasn't my place to unpack that for them right so what I did offer in this piece was just enough that I think that they would be okay with Mm -hmm. and that's fine so would you say everything in the book is true and based on real life experiences? I mean, I am a writer and I'm very poetic, so there's lots of metaphors in there. There's lots of things. Okay. It's a memoir, so there are a little bit of like embellishments here and there, but overall it's, it's definitely based on experience. Would you say you are fully healed? No, I am not. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be fully healed, I think. Um, it's kind of like a broken bone, and I could think about this. I could say this because I broke my foot recently. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the bone will heal. However, the bone still has like this memory Mm. of what happened to it. It's not 100% the bone it was before it's broken. And for example, in my experience, I still feel uncomfortable placing my foot in certain positions in fear of what could happen. Although Mm. it's definitely 
strong. It's healed. Um, so that's to say that I'm never healed. I'm never going to be healed, mm -hmm. but I will always be healing. Okay. Uh, it's a process that will take forever. As we're getting older, we're going to be making new memories. We're going to be exposed to new types of traumas, and we're going to have to heal those too. I just think it's great that the work that even what you're doing with this podcast um, and the space, the social media space that you're occupying, that we're doing this work now, we're bringing consciousness to it. Better to do it young rather than when we're 80. Yeah. It's kind of like too late. Not too late. A but, little bit. <laughs> you know, just establishing like these healthy patterns for you to cultivate whenever you need an outlet or an escape. Awesome. Thanks for that. Are there any last words or anything you want to say to anyone who's listening? I want to say, and this is my ism, if I had an ism, I would have plenty. This is one of them, <laughs> is to be gentle in all of your rough edges. So that goes to say that we are multifaceted beings. We're like so full of water. Mm -hmm. And water is very receptive and emotional. Like, we go through shit every single day. And we have to be gentle with ourselves and give yourself lots of love. Give yourself the space to thrive and express yourself for who you truly are. We do seek validation every single day from others, but what if we validated ourselves mm -hmm. and gave yourself permission to just be and be okay with that? So be gentle in all of your rough edges. And with that said... My book, <laughs> my book, This Is a Spell, This Is a Spell, is currently available for pre-order on my website at ultramagica.com. And pre-order is so important for writers, for anyone, honestly, who's making any sort of creative endeavor that they're offering to you. Pre-order helps them continue making more work, so definitely pre-order. Every book that is pre-ordered from my website will be signed by me, will be personalized by me, um, and will also include a ritual to help you heal your inner child, too. Extra goodies. You guys need to get on that. The, by the time this airs, the pre-order would be done, but for her next book, keep that in mind, and for now, buy her book. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Journey with Jess. 